Medic! Episode 27 of the Medic Up Podcast. As always, thank you guys for listening. I don't know why you keep coming back, but you do. And I appreciate each and every one of you that keeps listening and keeps downloading and commenting and sending me emails and DMs through the website and Facebook and Instagram. I can't thank you guys enough for the support. So like I said in the past, if you guys keep listening, then I'm going to keep creating the content. Anyway, today I'm joined on the podcast by Jessica Arno to share tales of catching babies and teaching U.S. service members the best in combat casualty care. Jessica's been affectionately dubbed the combat midwife by over 10,000 U.S. Army combat medics she has taught since 2004. She's a certified professional midwife, paramedic, and EMS educator who has a passion for OBGYN and pediatric emergencies. Jessica's been instructing classes for midwives, EMTs, and paramedics for over 10 years. Recently, Jessica has taught at the ECHO Annual Conference, which stands for Every Coast Helicopter Operations, and also the EMS Pro Expo. There, Jessica discussed pre-hospital OB topics that included breach and shoulder dystocia deliveries in the field setting and assessment and management of postpartum hemorrhage. She has also written for EMS World Magazine regarding OBGYN emergencies and EMS engagement with out-of-hospital birth providers, teaching EMS how to navigate the out-of-hospital birth transfer. So, listen up as Jessica, a.k.a. the combat midwife, gives us some tips and tricks for reducing anxiety and setting yourself and your patients up for success during out-of-hospital births and transfers. Ladies and gentlemen, the combat midwife, Jessica Arno. So, all right, everybody, welcome back. Brand new episode, Medica Podcast. Today, I am super lucky and stoked to have Jessica Arno uh, on the podcast today. And uh, you guys might know her a little bit different by her other name and or her, you know, wildly popular instagram page at combat midwife um if you're an ems you guys got to check her out if you're in the nursing profession you gotta check her out if you have to deal with babies outside the hospital go check her out at combat midwife on instagram um so just real quick um i'll i'll give you a little bit of info about her and then i'll let her just tell you the whole story um this is going to be a little more educational today, um, especially on the topic of babies being born outside the hospital. So I know, uh, I know that's probably one of the the top top three or four uh, things that stress out EMS providers, uh, at least that I hear come through the classroom. So let's see if uh, let's see if she can help us out. So Jessica Arno, she's the combat midwife. She's been she actually she got she's got that name because she's been training uh, U.S. military. Uh, personnel in uh, combat medic end of it, flight paramedic and critical care and austere medicine since 2004. Uh, she's also a medic. So she's one of us. Um, and she's also a midwife. Um, and what she does with her teachings is she's trying to bridge the gap between fear and really great patient care uh, in the, uh, the OBGYN neonatal and pediatric emergencies. So Jessica, I really appreciate you coming on today. Thank you so much for having me, Chris. This is an honor. Well, I, I do. I really appreciate you coming on. Um, you know, and what we were talking a little bit before I kind of hit the uh, hit the record button there. Um, you know, I became aware of you through, uh, I think, Instagram. And I was like, man, that's a really cool name. Uh, you know, I cruised through, your, cruised through the page and said, you know, that sounds super cool. I should probably have her. I should put her on the short list of people to come on the show. And then uh, somebody beat me to it. 
uh, the guys over at Antidotes Podcast beat me to it. And uh, I remember, uh, you know, a few months back sitting in the car line picking uh, my little girl up from uh, from elementary school, and I listened to that entire show. And I was like, oh, I, I got to I, I gotta get her. And I was, but I was kind of, I was like really intimidated. I was like, man, she sounds so well put together. She's an expert in this, but you know, I know, I know I surround myself with people who are way smarter than me. That's how they tell you you get better at things. So uh, when I sat down to plan my 2019, uh, like I said, you know, your, your, your Instagram was at the top of uh, my list of people to have on the show. Uh, along with some uh, with some other with some other I don't know I guess people would say heavy hitters but you were at the top and uh, I think I finally was just like hey I'm gonna I'm gonna send her a send her a DM and I think we've been working on it the better part of the year trying to get schedules together and here you are so uh, like I said I'm super stoked about it and I can't wait for you to kind of tell us all the all the stuff about babies being born out of the hospital and how you got your name and everything else you do out there to help us out. Well, again, I'm taken aback. Thank you. I, I don't even know. How can I? I don't know what to say now. <laughs> Thank you so much for saying those kind things. I'm excited to be here. And I really, uh, I think this is going to be fun. So let's let's do this. Absolutely. So uh, why don't you tell us, uh, so you were EMS first, right? Yes. Okay. So, Correct. So how did you go, how did you get into EMS? And then how did the midwife stuff come up? And anything in between there? Well, uh, okay. Well, I'll, I'll start at the very beginning. So I, from a very little girl, um, you can call my mom right now. She's probably in surgery, so don't bug her. But you can call her right now if you want her and ask her. But I have wanted to deliver babies since I was a little girl. I have said that I'm going to grow up and I'm going to deliver babies when I become a, you know, a grown-up. I don't know if I'm a grown-up yet, but apparently that's what I do. So... I have always been intrigued. It has just been a calling to me. I'm very drawn to it, the whole, like, creating a family and and walking someone through. The, there's a huge transition that happens in a woman's life and in a family's life when you go from being a woman to a wife to a mother. to Like, those are huge transitions. And sometimes it's just nice to have um, – you know, a battle buddy, if you will, that can get you from point A to point B. And I've always been really drawn to that. And even as a little girl, like, pregnant women would just walk up to me, like, there was some sort of connection. There was some sort of unspoken, you can't put it into words, connection between us. Like, you can hand me any crying baby and they're going to stop crying. I just... This sounds very egotistical, but I just have this gift, I guess, that I believe has just come from a higher power. But um, and I and I just thrive in that environment, and I really like it. And I got to a point where, you know, I needed to kind of start making some decisions in my life and figuring out, you know, as you got, you know, get into high school, and you're like, okay, so like I have to be an adult in a couple of years. Like, what am I doing? And I was starting to think about applying to colleges and plan my route to becoming a doctor because that's what I thought, that's who I thought delivered babies. And I just really found out that um, I was panicked. Um, for those of people who do not know me, I'm slightly a personality. <laughs> so 
I was panicked that, oh, my gosh, what if I get through medical school and, like, I can't handle blood? Like, I just spent hundreds of thousands of dollars and I can't even do my job, right? Like, what if I can't actually do this? Uh, and so to backtrack a little bit, I had uncles while growing up that were in the fire service. So, you know, kicking it at the fire department or visiting them or whatever was not an abnormal thing growing up. So I kind of had like an essence of EMS fire kind of stuff in my background, and it was back there. And I remember someone just listening to my concerns and fears, uh, a family friend, and just said, hey, why don't you become an EMT and a firefighter? If you can do that, you can do anything. And I went, well, okay. So I was in high school. Um, I actually had to wait to turn 18 to take, um, you know, fire and EMS exams. Like, I had already been done with school, like, the education part of it. And I had to wait till I turned 18 to actually take the exam. So it was kind of funny. But I, I finished that in high school. So I had to, I was on volunteer status for a little while before I was legit able to do anything. And it was, I kind of fell in love with it, to be very honest. So it kind of found me in a way and met a need of going, oh, like, I can do this. Like, I can see people and see blood and get puked on and, not that I enjoy that, and do all of those things and not and not actually freak out. Well, you're just trying it out. Right? You got the little taste. Yeah. Right. That's how we get you. Yeah. Yeah, that that's how EMS yeah. gets you. Yeah, for sure. And then I just I just realized that I really actually enjoy it. And I'm I I always say I'm like the the best mediocre paramedic out there. <laughs> the the most okayest um, paramedic, right? Yes. <laughs> yes. Um and I, I I feel like I'm pretty I'm I'm decent. I mean, I'd like to think so. All right. Well, there you go. That's all we ask. Try your best. That's all we ask. Yeah. So how do you, how do you transition? How did you, so you got, you went to EMT, you ended up in paramedic. Yep. And, um, I, uh, I just realized I was still really drawn to being, to, to delivering a baby. And I realized I just didn't want to, I didn't want to go to med school. I didn't feel like it was going to meet my life desire of having life work balance so was it because like it was, was it because you were was it because of uh you know you had that out of hospital experience and you're like well this is really this is where it's at i can i can do what i need to out here you know and, and like you say it's not maybe in the hospital or you know were you like that like were you that were you that emt and paramedic student who raised their hand first when they were like who wants to birth this baby <laughs> can i pick can i pick d all of the above so really what it really what it was is a, a multifaceted kind of just like a checks and balances. I sat down with myself and I really just analyzed like what do I want my life to look like? Like how do I want to incorporate family, friends, balance, and then also like I need to feed myself. And I also have to believe in what I'm doing. I am not the person that will ever take on a task that does not wholeheartedly believe in it. And for me, I was really struggling with the micromanagement of a normal bodily function. Like, I, as a woman, my body knows how to birth a baby, right? 
so I don't I don't understand the intense micromanagement that happens in the Western societies regarding birth. Like the United States of America has ridiculously crummy mother and baby mortality rates. Yet we are the country that spends the most money in that category. The first, out of the top 10 ICD-10 codes, the five most popular are OB-GYN related. What does that tell us? Why do we have almost a nearly 37% of our deliveries nationally are ending in cesarean births? Why do we have 37% as a national average? When the World Health Organization says that only 10% should ever need some sort of assistance, and that's first and third world countries combined, why? So I was really struggling with that, and I decided, okay, well, then I'm going to go find out what this, this midwife stuff is. And I had an early taste of it as a very young child, um, I really wanted a sister, and I believe that I created her because <laughs> I really wanted one, and I prayed for her every night. I wanted a sister. I love my brothers, but I really wanted a sister. And when my mom was pregnant, um, I was able to attend all of her, you know, prenatal care, and I was there when my sister was born, and it was a really awesome experience in so many ways. Um and she had some midwifery care a little bit. She was wound up being high risk for some certain problems and because her first two pregnancies were cesarean, so doing a vaginal birth after cesarean in an out-of-hospital setting at that time was a little risky. It was the 90s. It was just a little risky to do that. Now it's not that really that big of a deal. And so it was just kind of not, not really an, an ideal situation, and so she wound up having my sister in a hospital setting and I never left my mom's side and that was a really so at a very young age I was able to watch a baby be born and realize how normal that process was and like just like simple things like transition and getting my mom's ice chips and you know putting a cold towel on her head and I remember the nurses gave I had my little brother in tow at the time like her, the nurses gave us free reign like the blanket warmers, the ice chips, the everything. They just were, were, we were very well-behaved children also, but they just gave us free reign and said, you can do whatever you want, and here's all the stuff. And they were like, you're just like a little nurse for your mom. You really know what you're doing. And I think that's where, like, a calling is born. Like, you find your, you find your niche and what you're really, really good at, and you just, like, it just kind of explodes. And it just happens. And I'm really good under under pressure. Like, I don't want to be under pressure, but I think that's the other reason why I just love EMS so much. It's like you're under the gun. Like, you have to make decisions and you have to make them now. And being able to watch my sister be born, I kind of had that introduction to, like, there are other ways to have babies other than in a hospital and following the – the borders of those four walls. And I, I think EMS professionals can resonate with that because we don't like the four walls. Otherwise, we would be in hospital, right? Like, we like being out in the field, and we like making decisions, and we like being proactive for our patients. And so 
this just kind of emerged and I just started really kind of exploring. And so I reached out to several midwives in my area and I said, Hey, I'd like to apprentice under you. I'd like to shadow you. I'd like to, whatever it is, whatever I need to do. And so I got to just experience a few, a few really awesome births. And I said, I'm hooked. Like, I don't know how I'm going to do both, but I'm going to do both. Like I can't. And that's what I've struggled with over the years with is like, how do you have balance between um, having EMS in my life and having midwifery in my life, and that is the birth of combat midwife. <laughs> it is. That's quite the journey. I mean, just from hearing you kind of summarize it like that, I mean, I mean, who really, I mean, that's the ultimate, what do you want to be when you grow up? I mean, you obviously knew that, or you, you know, you had some inkling um, when you were, when you were super young and go, going through that with your mom and your sister, which is, which is fantastic. Um, and, you know, then, you know, incorporating or using EMS along the way and then trying to kind of marry the two together when you, like you're saying, the, the kind of the balance. Um, yeah. And then, so I, I don't even know where I want, I don't even know how I, I'm torn. Like, how do I, how do I, I want to ask about EMS and I want to hear about, I want to hear about the different types of midwives or uh, midwives and the training and, you know, all the stuff that can, that can help us, uh, super scared EMTs and paramedics and uh, delivering kids out in the field. I mean, I, I agree with you a hundred percent with the, uh, you know, your, your body knows how to birth a baby. I, I always say that uh, in class when we, when we do, um, when we do peds, I say, or uh, neonate, I say, you know, Abe Lincoln was born in a log cabin by candlelight and that guy became president. So how, you know, how big can it be out there? Hey, that's a really good one. I may borrow that from you. I usually use baby Jesus, but I like Abe Lincoln. That's a good one. <laughs> That's a good one, too. <laughs> well, you shotgun fire me the questions, and I'll answer. All right. Well, okay. So I think uh, I, I want – I personally want to hear um, the difference. I know I read the, the – you, you wrote an article uh, last year for uh, EMS World, and that was uh, – I think it was October of 18, it was that issue, yeah. and uh, it was EMS and midwives navigating the out-of-hospital transfer, and I think, I mean, that was a, I, I'm not going to lie, I found out about that article after the Antidotes podcast, uh, and I get that magazine every month, I just probably blew it off. <laughs> um, I know it, okay. I know it had a guy, like, diving on the front of it, and I was like, that sounds cool, it, but... <laughs> it did. That <laughs> so, was like, actually a good article. I can, I, I can remember that, but I it was funny because i said you know i probably have that in a stack somewhere and i did have it and i was like i better read this as kind of the prep uh you know i know we have the interwebs but i felt better having it in my hand so um i read that and i think it's good i think it would be good if you kind of go through uh first because first of all i didn't know that there were like three different types or potential types of of midwives yes because why make things simple in medicine <laughs> it's so funny because when I tell people about this, they're always like, well, that sounds really complicated. And I'm like, yeah, well, you know, I have, like, they didn't ask me. It's not like they called me up and like, Jessica, we'd like to make this midwife thing. What do you think we should do? I would have been like, just make one. But <laughs> nobody asked me. So there's three different pathways. And this is only in the United States, Canada, Australia, uh, the UK. They, they just have one. It's only in the U.S. 
And so you've got three different pathways. Uh, two happen to fall under the nurse midwife category, meaning the umbrella, like the American, like the overseeing body for nurse midwives fall into, uh, have two, two like subcategories. So you have your nurse midwife, um, which has uh, pretty much free reign in all 50 states, and it's really just dictated upon what that state deems appropriate for advanced practicing nurses. And the other type, which is called a certified midwife, is a mirror image of the nurse midwife, except for they just don't have a nurse component. So they have a they have a, a medical background somehow, some way, shape, or form other than that. It's current, it's it's in its infancy. Yes, the pun was intended. And it is Currently, you can get a you get a national certif uh, certification upon graduation, but legality for state practicing is only in about 13 states. I listed them in that article. Um, I don't remember them off the top of my head. That's what notes are for. And then there's a certified professional midwife, which is a non degree, like non pardon me, a non nursing degree pathway. And they may or may not have a medical background in something else that they would like to deliver babies. And those are typically out of hospital. CMs and CNMs can work in hospital or out of hospital. However, you typically see them in in-hospital situations. So when I say out of hospital, I'm referencing home birth and birth center. Right. And that's, that's you. You're, you're, you hold a certified professional midwife certification, right? Correct. Right. And you do have a medical background, like the ultimate out of hospital, not in the hospital background. Yes. It has served me well. Uh, I really, truly believe that it has made me an extremely well-rounded midwife in the aspect of my understanding of medical knowledge out, like outside of, of, women's reproductive health is quite vast, right? Like we are vast. We, we, we know a lot of stuff. Like you want to talk about, you know, endocrine issues or cardiac problems or respiratory problems. Like we, we know a vast amount of stuff, right? And so it definitely has helped me really care for my patients in much more of a well-rounded role. And I'm not saying that other CPMs can't do that, not at all. I'm just saying that it really has helped me be able to do that. That's one part. And the other part is, like, birth does not scare me. Like, it, we're just going to have a baby today. Like, it's really not that big of a deal. Where, like, the three cars that are rolled over on the side of the embankment when there's nothing but squishy ground underneath me and they're probably going to slide more when I go down there to go get them, I'm not really thrilled about that. You know, like... Sure, that's fun when you look back at it tomorrow when you're enjoying your cup of tea or coffee, right? Like, it's not fun in the moment because you're like, any moment one of these cars is going to slide and we're all getting squished here. I try not but to think about it. Have a, <laughs> I try not to think about it either. But I also but try not to think the, about it when I'm having to birth a kid out of the hospital, so. <laughs> hey, and I, and, I totally, and I totally get that. And I think where a lot of people – kind of start to kind of warm up to the ideas they have to understand is that as a midwife, I've been taking care of that patient's 
the whole pregnancy. So as EMS professionals, you know, when it comes across the CAD system, 25-year-old female in active labor in the bathroom, and it's 4 o'clock in the morning, right, we're all going, what the crap? Did you not know you were in labor? And we get a little bit antsy about that. <laughs> I try and to be more positive about it. I'm like, eh, it's probably nothing. Maybe it's Braxton Hicks. <laughs> Maybe. Where's the OB kit? Just in case. That's, it didn't say or water broke. <laughs> <laughs> that's just because you're seasoned. But a lot of people get really anxious about that. And it's understandable because we never know what's on the side, other side of the door. Right, like we never know what what's really going to be happening when I open up the door and I'm like, so are we having a baby or are you just you got gas? Yeah, but that's but that's right. EMS though. That's that's again uh, again you're, you're again you're lucky. You can you can be in both mindsets. Me, I'm in the I'm in that mindset too. Like, oh, it's what's on the other side of the door. Uh, yeah, I might have been like, yeah, Braxton Hicks, we're just practicing labor tonight, no big deal. And then I get there, and then, you know, mom does open the door, and the baby's hanging on about two, two and a half feet of umbilical cord like he's bungee jumping from between her legs. And you're like, hey, maybe you should have said that on the phone or, you know, things like right. that. Right, right, which is why I am trying so desperately to help to help EMS providers understand that the label of the call may be different, but your skills don't change. Nothing is different about this call except for the your own fears you implemented onto this specific call, which just because it involves a baby. And I'm not minimizing the fact that, oh, okay, well, like a baby's being born, kind of a big deal. But our assessment, our treatment plan the way we're calm, the way we can take in information on scene, all of that's the same. Nothing changed. I agree with that. I mean, I I agree with that. I agree with that assessment. It just the first time you go on that call, you know, uh, my assessment didn't mean much. So I can under I can definitely resonate with that. I can understand it probably was not the most exciting thing in the world. But you know, you get through it though, right? One way again, one way or the other, it's happening. I mean, make peace with it. It's going to happen. She's either going to have the baby or she's not. Um, you know, uh, you're the re- if you're not ready for it, again, I you only get burned once or twice, and then you remember to tuck that OB kid under your arm whether you, when you're going up to the 14th floor in the elevator, and you know it's going to stop. You know you're going to birth that kid in the elevator. So, and there's nobody boiling water or tearing newspaper up. All right, just tuck the OB kid under your arm. It takes two seconds. Have you delivered a baby in an, in an elevator? No, and I don't. I, I don't that. want to. I don't. I don't want to. <laughs> ever. I don't want to either. Does that is that okay for me to say? Yeah, absolutely. You know, you have the whole. You've been taking care of them the entire pregnancy. You've got the. You you probably have the birth plan committed to memory. And you know, um, I mean, not not to not to interrupt you, but um. The first time I ever saw – well, let's see. I met a nurse midwife when I went through paramedic school, and she taught me more on – uh, we were on the OB uh, floor for – our labor and delivery floor to witness live births. And she taught me and my partner um, more than we had learned in the whole you know, two hours of lecture on OB that you get in paramedic school. Uh, and I was like, please, right. please, please drive – 
please come with me on the ambulance for everything. I was like, you should come to the classroom. And t- you know, she was telling us how to kind of relieve shoulder dystocia in different positions. Like we learned, yeah. we learned yeah. lithotomy position and that was it. And it was like, oh, that'll be fine. Kid will come out. Mm, evidently not. Um, the first time I had really encountered uh, a midwife in an out of hospital birth, I walked into a house and there was a, there was a, there was a nude woman sitting in a, um, a big plastic tub that you would put like a beer keg in. And, uh, <laughs> I was I was a fairly yeah I was a fairly new paramedic and this was in the living room of this house and uh, there was a woman there with a uh, two big three inch uh, binders three ring binders and uh, I said what the hell is going on here like that's not how you should introduce yourself at all and she said oh she's in labor I was like yeah what's the tub for She's like, well, we're not going to use this tub. We need to go to the hospital, and we need to go now. I was like, uh, yeah, let's do that. You're, you should come with me and bring all those folders, and uh, I'll get her out of the tub. And I called for everybody and their mother to help me move this woman. So I was like, I don't know what's going on here, but I guess it's time to go. So now she didn't have the baby in the truck, thank God. Um, but it was one of those where you walked in and saw it. I was like, hmm, never seen this before. Let's Let's do EMS stuff now. Well, your actions were were combat midwife approved, by the way. So, you know, I'll take I'll take my normal at home. Like we had another one. Uh, I've 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 done eh, I've done three done three out of hospital. Two were memorable. Uh, One was just a normal one a week before my wedding, and uh, we got there, and this, this poor woman said. She said, I really just wanted to wait for my husband to get home to go, but I don't think I can wait anymore. And she was like super apologetic. Uh, it was probably that, that. Well, that time I noticed that time I noticed we're on the second floor. And uh, I said, well, that's not going to work. We're going to stay here. And I noticed that there was a big green brownish wet spot on the rug. And I said, that's your water, isn't it? She said, yeah, I'm so sorry. I'm like, oh, don't be sorry. Uh, and there were like 19 firemen there. They were all just watching. And uh, on the way to this call, right. it sounded like it was going to be high budget. And I remember I was I was, de- I was getting ready to get married. I called my wife, who was working in dispatch at the time, and I I said, "Hey, um, I don't remember. Is it mouth then nose or nose then mouth when you suction? Because I'm pretty sure this is going to happen." And she's like, it's the alphabet stupid and hung up because she was getting ready to take another 911 call. And I looked at my partner. I was like, yeah, Mike, it's mouth then nose. Duh. And uh, yeah, we did that. And like, uh, you know, used one of the nicest bath towels I've ever used to catch this baby. And, uh, you know, everything was great, except, you know, a week later. Uh, we, you know, we got married, we went on our honeymoon and we came back and I went back to my station and here's the newspaper clipping with all 19 firefighters and the brand new bouncing baby boy. I said, Hey man, what, where's EMS? They're like, Oh, you weren't, you weren't here for the picture. I was like, of course, fire department's the real heroes. Always, always. Are real. you kidding they, me? They said the, the, the plate of cookies was delicious. I said, well, I hate you all. So, and then, uh, yeah, so I had, uh, I had, I got educated on that for mouth and nose and, uh. Everything went great, you know. It was just it was just one of those. It was perfect EMS story and you know, first first good power that was one that was my first out of hospital as a paramedic. So again, no resuscitation needed. Everybody did great. It took a little while for the placenta to deliver. I got I got I was like, I don't want to hang out anymore, let's just go to the hospital. They're like, oh, I think we're supposed to wait for it. 
we were like, we've been here a half hour. Let's just go. Or or half, or she's going to turn around and say, hey, can I just sign off? And be like, no, you had a baby in your house. Let's go to the hospital. <laughs> no, you had a baby in your house. No, that's you hilarious. Can, you can't have a baby in your house. It, ha- it belongs at a hospital. I know you're going to tell me that's the wrong thinking, but I was new. Leave me alone. <laughs> I'm, I'm, not, I'm not even going to chastise you at all. <laughs> not at all. I was like, the hospital knows what to do. I just caught it. I just caught it. Dry, warm, stimulate position. Let's go. I like it. <laughs> so I'm sorry I interrupted. So keep uh, keep going. What uh, what can I don't know? What um, I mean, I, I made it through. I had to I had to phone a friend and and figure out you know to make sure that I had to suction the mouth and nose first. So I, I see the students come through and. They, I mean, they are apprehensive about birthing kids out of, out of hospital, and like I said, it, you know, it's going to happen one way or the other. We all we all have our jokes. We all have the "What do you do with a pregnant woman in labor? Give her an aspirin. It's a first line drug. What do you mean? Just tell her to hold it between her knees, and you know, let's go. Let's go to the hospital. I don't I don't need people I don't need people multiplying in the back of the truck, just like I don't want people to die in the back of the truck. So, um, <laughs> you, you know. And so and I know they're I know they get worked up. So what are what are what are some things that I can do in EMS? What can we do in EMS to make sure it goes smoothly or you know, set yourself up for success? That's what I want. Okay. We can handle that. That's easy. So the the things that create an environment of not liking to run OB Gen calls is the fact that it's unfamiliar, right? There's lack of exposure. You toss that together with the fact that our culture typically primarily will, will validate, will value kids, right? Like we, we put them on a pedestal. If we had to pick between, you know, an adult or a kid, something bad happening, we're going to pick the adult, right? Like <laughs> we, we want the kid to survive and so our culture values children, and when you put that together with lack of exposure, because it's not lack of experience per se, because you've got the education, right? Like, you pass the test. You're out there. You must have a basic knowledge. So you put those two elements together, and it equals fear. When you have that kind of trifecta of things happening, whether it's you have a lack of exposure and you understand the patient really needs an airway, that's going to equal fear, right? Like those are just big incidences where people get a little bit worked up in EMS, which is I'm validating that. So my thing is to, one, believe in birth, and that is supported by having a true understanding of the birth process. That means understanding the anatomy, understanding the terminology, being familiar with the different processes of birth and what that looks like. You know, like there is a very different way of delivering a breech baby as there is with a vertex baby or a shoulder dystocia baby or a prolapse cord. So you really need to understand the fundamentals and then to have compassion with the fact that this is a memorable moment in a woman's life, and it's also a coming-of-age moment 
no matter the age of the woman, right? It's transitioning from being just a woman to a, a mother, right? Like you're transitioning into a new role. And so having compassion that no matter what the outcome is, and in our line of work, I'm wearing my paramedic hat right now, it sometimes has potential to be poor, right? We see the miscarriages and the stillbirths and bad things that can happen. And so having compassion and being able to hold someone's hands or listen to their feelings is an element that is important. And then just overall trust in yourself, in the process, and in your team. And when you have missing pieces in this in this really awesome pie of all these working elements, that's when um, egos come out, and I don't mean the good kind. Um, you know, we start to miss things and be over-aggressive in situations that may not necessarily warrant it. Absolutely. Um, and what do you think um... – what would be some ways um, that just like the, I mean, even uh, not to trivialize it, just the basic EMT, somebody like you, like yourself, well, you had a little bit different experience. Somebody like uh, who gets into, you know, EMT right at around high school or right out of high school, no world view, um, definitely didn't have the experiences you did. What's a couple, I mean, we don't get that much um, depth and breadth of this entire process in school for, for a number of reasons, I think. Uh, I agree with you. So there isn't, if you look at the curriculum between paramedic and EMT for ob there's really not a huge change. In paramedic, they teach you shoulder dystocia and Pitocin, right? Like other than that, the the, the education, the fundamentals are essentially the same. There's really no additional information for OB. Now, neonate and paramedic, we get a little bit more in depth because we talk about chromosomal genetic abnormalities and heart conditions and coronal atresia. And, I mean, we talk about baby stuff, right, a little bit more in depth, which is cool, but we're just talking OB right now. So, really, I mean – to me, and, and it, I may just be biased, but I don't think the two hours of lecture and the one-hour hands-on is really enough. Well, no, especially especially when it's presented. So, like, again, full disclosure, like, you know, when I went through school, PEDS was the one thing I was, like, I was deathly afraid of. Maybe 12 leads a little bit because it was brand new, um, but it was PEDS. And I went to my clinical director and was like, I'm going to fail out. I know I am. PEDS, is sca PEDS scare me, blah, blah, blah. And I'd been in EMT six years before I went to paramedic school. And, and she's like, here, read these books. And it was a, she was a NICU nurse for like 30 years. Um, so she's like, here, read these books. And like I read the PEP book cover to cover and a bunch of some uh, like uh, uh, maternal nursing books that she had and was like, oh, I guess this isn't too bad. And then realize that, you know, as far as EMS is concerned, we're worried about um, neonatal resuscitation, uh, resuscitation in general, respiratory kills kids, do good with oxygen, find the problem, fix it. Great. Birthing kids, it's going to happen. Whether it's not, 10% of them need support. Less than one of those need real resuscitation. I like those odds. Let's go to Vegas. Um, you know, 
What do you, what do you want me to? Nice. Yeah. What do you want me to do? I mean, I, I can I can count to I can count to three and squeeze that bag. Chest compressions or chest compressions. Um, you know, right. I, I know my rhythms and drugs are weight based, and I got that Brazil tape. Let's let's do work. Um, you know that that's really, and then even on the other the the other kind of the didactic stuff. You know, you probably had I had probably I had I was very lucky, and not to stereotype it, but I ha- I was very lucky to have a, a NICU nurse. Uh, teach us OBPs. Yeah. Uh, versus yeah. me, who stands up there and we do we do OBGYN, and I'm like, here's some, here's a video, go watch it. Like I'm like that seventh grade health teacher. It's like, hey guys, right. I'm really uncomfortable talking about this. Uh, why don't you go watch this video? You're gonna learn it on the street, all right? <laughs> talk to your, come talk to your dad. <laughs> like no, it, that that it, right. And then it becomes, you know, it should be it should be four hours of hands on, and uh, you know, I'm I'm smart enough now to go. I'm, I'll be telling my students this semester when we do peds. Hey, episode number twenty-eight has uh, Jessica Arno on it. You should go listen to it, like, share, subscribe, and learn about you know midwifery. So, right, right. So find find. I would rather have the people who know a lot more than I do. Again, then you get then you do get some of that fundamental that fundamental knowledge base, and maybe I think that probably. Again, you know, depending on the student, it's just going to maybe not decrease the fear, definitely decrease the apprehensiveness, and and in turn, maybe decrease the fear when you go out there for these calls. I agree. I think that there are a lot of really awesome things that are happening in just EMS education as a whole right now. I mean, education and, um, uh, you know, evidence-based medicine, I mean, those are, those are like hot button phrases right now. And I'm excited about that. I'm excited that we've really only been in existence since 1970. And seriously, like, let's just turn around and take a peek at what we've done in the last, was that 50 years? Um, that's amazing. And I can only anticipate what the future holds for us. But I really, really think that there's going to be a huge a huge shift in education. Like, you know, ISAP and fast exams and all this stuff, right? All this stuff is becoming very important to actually understand and interpret what is happening. And I'm hoping, I'm really hoping, and I'm trying really hard to play a huge role in that of like high risk, high reward situations such as innovation, needle decompression, a crike, delivering a baby, tubing an infant, like those are high risk, high reward situations. And actually those are the things you should be spending more time on. I am not minimizing the importance of knowing how to interpret a rhythm and to do that effectively and efficiently, but we do that every day, right? What I'm saying is that those things that we don't do every day, like I don't needle decompress someone every day. I don't throw a crike in someone every day, but I damn sure better be practicing those often because when I need to, when I need to legitimately open up my tool bag and dump it on the floor and go, now what? I need to have those, right? I need to be good at that. Yeah, no doubt. No no doubt. Yeah, for me, I just think that we need to put a little bit more emphasis on some of those those aspects of education. And I know that 
for me personally, I just I feel like the practice of medicine is truly just an art form that you are mastering each time you get on a truck or each time you sit and have a conversation with one of your friends about a call you just had or each time you teach a class or write a paper or read a book on it. Like every time you're adding more of those not just to your belt, nuggets of knowledge in your brain, whatever you want to call it. Like, it is truly fine-tuning that art. And that's what I'm really trying to contribute to in whatever small way I can. Well, that's a, that's a good segue because you you are doing that. You do You do a fair amount of education in several different areas. So you have – I've seen that you go to national-type conferences, state conferences – and you offer um, EMS and like midwife type interaction stuff and, and pregnancy and birth stuff, and you also you also do um, combat medic education and ta- um, uh, one of my like military mil- military medicine education as well for the for the government. Right. Right. So how does that all? How how did you get into? So you started obviously you started the the teaching EMS the the midwife stuff. And you know how to do the how to do those interactions out of hospital, just because I mean, obviously, subject matter expert. How did you end up on not to shift gears, but how did you end up on the military medicine side? So, um, I had been an EMT for a while, and we went to war, <laughs> and the issue with the military is they were shipping out combat medics faster than they were able to train them. And they, with their first wave of deployment, they sent out all of their best educated medics, right? The people with more stripes on their shoulder. So there wasn't anyone to train the newbies. And through a series of events, it wound up being, there was a collection of the best of the best civilian EMS-wise that came together and basically took over the program of training the combat medics. And I was part of wave two. Um, And we took them straight from like, they literally got off a bus from basic training and then came to us and we had them for um, 16 weeks and taught them EMT. And then they go over to the combat medic side, which is kind of like tossing a paramedic, a PA, and, I don't know, a plumber together, essentially. And they go off into, you know, their units, and then they get deployed. And that's, we were pumping them out faster than we could get them in type of thing just because of the current climate, you know, um, politically and how busy we were overseas. So that's how I started in that aspect, and that. Uh, during that time frame is when I finished up midwifery school. So I was going to school full time during that process. Oh, wow, wow! So that's I a, don't actually know how I'm alive. I was going to say that's a <laughs> that's a full plate, full plate. And then so and that's how, how I roll. Do you still do? Do you still do the combat medicine stuff or? So at this time, yeah. So I transitioned from there and I went over to teach flight medic, um, and that was really fun. I really enjoyed that, and then. Uh, I I do still teach, so either the individual military, like, 
detachments or organizations will kind of contract me to come in and either do initial education, pre-deployment, or continuing education. So I might be a national guard unit. It might be an active duty unit. It might be the Air Force. It might be it's, – it's really just – I get – I get different types of contracts. It really just depends on what they're asking. Um, like I worked for the Air Force a couple of years ago and taught there, and like I had a large group of firefighters that needed to be EMT certified. With I called them like EMTs on crack because they were doing a very specific deployment. I knew what they were doing, and they needed to have some extra extra goodies with that as, in education as well. That's awesome. I mean, so do you have, you. not to. I'm not. I'm not trying to make the the comparison but do you teach have you ever taught for like like me i'm a two-year technical college have you ever done that environment yeah. or no oh yes 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 um yeah for sure so i've uh worked for the university of texas i've taught at a couple of other other junior colleges before um sometimes i come in like sometimes i get asked to come out and be like hey we really have a problem with our program can you come help us with it sure so I'll go out for a few months and do some things and then kind of get people back on track or whatever they might need. It's really just I kind of customize my my services for exactly what an organization might need. I've had EMS agencies contact me and say, hey, we had a really horrible run with a home birth. How do we have that never happen again? And I was like, Great. You want an in-service? You want a, You want CEs? What, what do you want? And then I'll just custom organize it to make it work for that individual. I had fire, a fire department call me and say, hey, we got all new equipment, and it's neonate OB involved. Can you come train us on it? Yeah, sure. What did you buy? Right? I'll be right over. So I've yet to say no to an organization that has called me and said, hey, can you come help us with X, Y, and Z? Um uh, and, I, and I'll travel just about anywhere to kind of. I just need to know what the what the what's the goal? What it, what were you experienced with? Like, what are you what are you trying to get out of this? And then I'll just customize it to whatever is needed for that particular organization. So I worked with EMS, fire. Um, uh, I had an I had a birth center call me and say the exact same thing. We had we had had three back to back transfers, and it was horrible working with EMS. Why? And I was like, well, why don't you tell me what happened? And then they explained to me what happened, and I was like, well, actually, they did everything they were supposed to do per their protocol. And she was like, well, what is that? And I went, okay, how about we do an in-service? And so I did. I just constructed it. was a It was a two-day class, so we were able to, you know, because, you know, we work shifts, right? So I did a two-day, which is a mirror image class. It was two two days over in in a in a week time frame that would accommodate A and B shifter type things, so everyone could come. And I incorporated dispatch, I incorporated fire, I incorporated EMS and the birth center, and we basically ran calls. So I set up, you know, a birthing mannequin having a baby, and then you know we had a uh, postpartum hemorrhage, or we had a baby that needed recess, or we just were transferring a mom because she was failure to progress and she just needed to go to the hospital, right? So we had two emergent, one non-emergent situation, and then we basically ran those calls together. And I taught them, like, what does EMS do? Like, what is their role when they are on scene? What does the midwife do? And it was amazing to, like, have – 
by the end of it, like, it was so interesting because, like, you in the morning, everybody goes to their separate side. It's like a freaking junior high dance. you got the EMS on one side, and you've got the midwives on the other, and they're just glaring at each other from one end of the room to the other. And by the time I was done, like, they're sharing cookies and swapping freaking, I don't know, kids' stories. And they're just having a great time and realizing that, oh, my gosh, we're, like, actually on the same team. We just come at this from two different angles. And it was really neat to for them to realize, like, what the scope of practice of a out-of-hospital midwife is and what the scope of practice of an EMS professional is. And for them to go, oh, my gosh, like, you guys have other drugs on your – like, you have drugs on your truck. Like, you have tributylene. Like, you have things on your truck. I didn't know that. The midwives are like, we didn't know that you had medications on your truck. And the paramedics and the EMTs are looking at the, you know, at the midwife going, I didn't know you knew how to start an a line. Like, I didn't know that you'd already given her 40 of Pitocin and Methogen and Cytotec. Like, I didn't know that you had that stuff. I thought we were just a bunch of hippies out here throwing women in blow-up pools and you guys are smoking pot in the corner. Nope, we're not doing any of that crap, except the birth pool is really there. Right? Yep. So it was really, really cool, and I just got to step back, and I sat back with a cup of tea, because I'm a tea person, and I just went, wow, this is this is really freaking cool, that the egos on both sides went away, and I was it was really neat to hear back from several entities and say, hey, we ran a call at that birth center, and it was so smooth, and I was, and I saw, you know, blah, blah, so Mary Jo Sue, that's not a real person, but you know what I mean? Like, they were able to see that person and be like, hey, I know you, and I know what you can do, and tell me what you've got going on here, and I'm ready to serve you. And that's really what I'm about, because ultimately, we are in the service business. Like, we are all about providing a service, and it needs to be done with a giver's heart. Like, when we show up on scene and we got ego, and I'm just as guilty of it. I've shown up on scene and I'm like, this, son of a, no, right? Like, we've all done it. We've all been there. We've all had that attitude before. And I am not saying that I'm perfect. But we need to strive for that of being able to show up on scene and having a giver's heart. Like I am here to help you. What do you need today? And that's why I implemented my, my, I think it's a really cool class and I've had people just say, wow, I never knew all of that. But that's why I just, I created my EMS and midwives navigating the out of hospital birth workshop on, so that way we could just put to rest, finally put to rest what both entities do. And it's really cool because what wound up happening is both the midwives and EMS were able to realize that we're, we're essentially the same because we're both kind of the redheaded stepchild of medicine. Like doctors are not huge fans typically of midwives. And doctors and nurses are typically huge fans of EMS, right? Like, so it's kind of cool for us to be able to realize that, like, we basically are doing the same thing because we're both out of hospital. We just have different types of patients. But if we could merge those entities together, we're kind of rock stars. Oh, absolutely. Because, I mean, you know, it's <clears throat> you were saying earlier, you know, EMS, the EMS people like to be 
they like out of hospital. They like to problem solve. They like that. I mean, everybody always says that we love that autonomy. Um, I like having a set of protocols. Just let me do what I need to do until I get to the end of the page, and then I'll call somebody for some extra guidance. Um, you know, yes. so same thing. Yes. On, same thing on the midwife side. Like, hey, I have the fundamental base knowledge. I've had this experience. I have my set of protocols, and then when I'm done that, I guess it's time to call somebody else and go somewhere else. Um, absolutely. Yeah, right. So, I mean, yeah, absolutely. It always comes back to that a little bit of education, like, oh, I thought you were just dirty hippies in the blow-up pool. And they went, we thought you were just ambulance drivers. So yeah. I could I could have called Uber, but they don't want their seats messed up. Like, you know, it's whatever. <laughs> Correct. So, well, that's that's awesome. I think uh, I think you were in a in a perfect position with the perfect uh, amount of exposure, experience, and knowledge to 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 push that out there to the. I mean, both sides of the the house, the the fire, EMS, and public safety side, and then the 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 parents and midwifery type side, which I think is great. I think it's it's awesome. Um, how about Thank uh, you. yeah, absolutely. Um, so tell me, tell me something you weren't prepared for. Uh, I mean, it sounds like you were pretty prepared because you had the EMS background first, and then you were going through midwife certification. And it sounds like you probably adapted pretty easily. But was there something you kind of weren't prepared for? And I guess that would also kind of include, you know, funny, unique, embarrassing stories of out of hospital birth. The one thing I was not prepared for. Being a midwife was that is that babies will die. That not all babies will will make it to the end of pregnancy, or even make it through labor and delivery. And I think that no, that was the hardest thing for me going through school. And I would assume that's I would assume that's you know harder on the the midwife side because again like you said earlier you know you're with the family or the mother from the beginning of that pregnancy or, or close to the beginning of that through the entire thing it's not EMS where you show up deal with a situation for 25 to 35 minutes and then drop them off at the hospital um you know and then you can kind of duck out the back door so you don't have to see anybody and see the aftermath and, and things like that or again at least that's you know my perception i'm not saying that makes it easier i'm just saying it's a feels like you have less, uh, maybe like less involvement, less accountability. It just seems as the midwife side of that, you're, you've been there for the long haul, like that long-term care. Absolutely. When you know every one of that woman's child's name, when you know when they're going to start school and you know the ins and outs of the hardships and the positivity of her relationship with her partner, when you know her wants and desires and the name of that baby and that the nursery's done and that her mom's on a flight to come in and take pictures for the birth and like that's really hard. That's really hard to have someone bring their whole family into an appointment because it's a gender reveal sonogram for me to 
smear the blue jelly all over her abdomen to pop the sonogram probe on there. And for me to realize, I now have 20 people in this room and that baby doesn't have a heartbeat. Mm. Unimaginable for me. Unimaginable. Unimaginable. You deserve a medal. Oh, gosh. I think the mamas, I think the mamas deserve medals. I think moms... Moms are pretty awesome, but uh, I appreciate the absolutely. compliment. Absolutely, um, that's kind of again. It's, it's that another decent segue. I mean, I, I would uh, I agree with you 100. percent I'm glad I'm not in that situation as frequently as you are. Uh, so, what do you do to how do you how do you recover from that? What do you do? And this is the EMS side and the midwife side. How do you how do you decompress? Like you said, you talked earlier about balance. Like how do you, how do you decompress? So. I'm not a master of this, um, and I'm trying to perfect it, and I'm trying really hard to balance this. And I've I've noticed, um, not that I'm old by any means, but I'm definitely older and more seasoned in my profession, and I definitely am really trying to have some balance in life. So, I mean, I have hobbies and I have things that I love to do and I have things that make me happy. And I really try to block out time to actually do those things. Um, Whether it's, I happen to have a gardening problem. I know that sounds really cheesy, but um, I really love gardening and I love my bike. And if I need to go deal with some stuff, you're probably going to find me, picking out a bunch of new plants at the nursery or on a really, really long bike ride. And that's kind of a thing for me is I just need to like get away and get grounded again. And I do that through like exposure to nature. Nothing wrong with that. There's a lot of more unhealthier things you could be doing. Right. So, I mean, I have done those unhealthy things. They don't pan out well. (laughs) So, so, Those those unhealthy things tend to bite you in the in the backside later. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm tired of tired of reading about those too. So yes, yeah, yeah. How about um, how about uh, so the the question really is for when we do the EMS type the student type project stuff when they tell me about ask them about their budding EMS career. How about you? Do you have any? Let's decompress. How about like a pre-shift ritual or even better, like you – in my head, like you, the, the nurse – or the, the midwife thing is, uh, is kind of like EMS. Like I, I guess – I envision it. I know it's planned. I know there's a birth plan and probably mom probably calls you from the first contraction or the day before and you're like, you're ready to go. But like I – in my head, I also look at it as like you're on call. And it's in the middle of the night and somebody calls you out there. They're like, hey, it's happening. And you're like, no, it's supposed to happen like two days from now. They're like, no, it's happening now. And it's just like kind of the page so, going off, right? Like, what do you – like, what, right. do, you, what are you, do you have a playlist on your way to the house or are you just on the cell phone with them like, hey, I'm on my way? Okay. So, yes, it is very much like EMS because I never know when she's really going to go into labor. Like, I have a – I essentially have a six-week window, right, from 37 weeks to 42 weeks. Somewhere in there, she's going to have a baby, right? So I have a window. And, yeah, I mean, they do call me when they start to do stuff just because, like, I don't want to be, good grief, because this has happened, in the middle of the checkout with all my week's groceries, and i got to leave the basket. That has happened on two separate occasions, separate occasions, like, 
I also tried to take my concealed handgun license twice, and I had to leave for the shooting time to, on two different occasions because I was like, I got to go. I have to go deliver a baby. That's like, <laughs> that's a, like That sounds what? like a sacrilege in Texas. I thought like when you moved there, they just gave that to you. Oh, yeah. Apparently, well, yeah. I, that's what I thought, too. But apparently you got to take the class. But anywho, so... Like it happens. I've also I've had to leave a wedding before. Like it does happen in funky situations where like you just have to you just have to leave. Um, but most of the time, you kind of know it's like we're probably going to have a baby today or tomorrow. Like because she's doing things and it's progressing in a fashion. But there have been several times where I've gotten calls where I've just had to leave. Like. Um, Believe it or not, in Texas, we do get, like, cold weather stuff. And we had that, like, sheets of ice coming from the heavens. And the whole city was legit shut down. Like, they put up barriers and put cops by the freeway, you know, entrances and all that kind of stuff on ramps. And I had a – this is her second baby. I, the, I delivered, all, you know, all the kids for the family. And – this is her second pregnancy at the time. And I have this thing. Like, when moms call me and tell me they're in labor, I know I have time. But when dads call, like, you better get there. Because that means that she can't talk anymore. And so, like, he doesn't know what to do at this point. Because she's not speaking. And she's probably over in the corner going, uh, right? Like, <laughs> she's. She's like, get, get this, like, help at that point. She's, like, on all fours rocking, and he goes, I don't know. Like, my wife is either having a baby or there needs to be an exorcism right now. Like, something's wrong. So dad's call, and I know that I need to book it. So I got in the car, and I, I had already known that something was going on, but it seemed like it was still very early labor. But then we got this weather shift, and I should have known my midwife's brain should have known that I should have just gone and stayed the night at their house because we got this huge storm that came in and ice was covering the city and it was really bad. Like I most definitely did not have the traction on my tires to be on this road. And uh, I get up to the on-ramp to get to their house and the cop had just put the barrier there and he had drove, he had drove off and I went, Oh, you know what? Effort, and I picked it up and moved it. And I, I mean, I put it back so someone else didn't do something stupid. But I had to get to her house. I legitimately walked in to like slide as if I'm sliding into home. I can't make this stuff up and catch this kid. Like Dad is just standing there, and I was like, <laughs> if I didn't, if I wasn't going to walk through the door, were you going to do anything? He's like, I just knew you were coming. <laughs> I was like, okay, all right. But I slid in there and just and just caught that baby, and she's like, "Oh, thank you. You got here just in time." I'm like, "Uh, okay. You have no idea what it took to get here." Then I told you, Abe Lincoln, born by candlelight, <laughs> it was going to happen whether you were there or not. It, it really was. It really was. But it was awesome. It was that was a really cool. That was a cool catch. Well, what else? Tell me. Tell me more. What's next? What's next for the combat midwife, Jessica Arno? Really, I just wanna. I just wanna pass the knowledge that this whole OB/GYN neonate PD thing isn't that scary, and it's it's really doable. 
but I, I want to do that in a very constructive way and really just give people the knowledge they're seeking. I, I love having students come up to me and say, you know, I've been practicing EMS for five years or 20 years or 30 years, and I've never had that explained to me that way before. I didn't know that. Like, I had a boss once that, I mean, he's been in EMS more years than I've been on the planet, and he took me aside and said, I didn't know half of what you were taught. Like, that had never been taught to me before. I had never read that in a book before. Like, that's a, like that's amazing. And it's really cool to be able to share that with people because I won't always be here. And I'm really all about That's why I teach all the time. And I, I do love teaching other things besides OB-GYN. Um, but that's why I really love teaching is because, like, I'm passing the torch and I'm pushing EMS into the future. I'm, I'm, I'm pushing it over to be successful and carry on and progressive and evidence-based and into the future as much as I can. And this is my small part. And so I really just, I just really want to keep teaching and, and sharing, sharing my tricks because there's midwife tips and tricks out there that are legit proven and they work and I want to share them with people. And I absolutely appreciate that. Um, and when you when you were saying that, it kind of made me think. Um, you know, we go. Uh, we've been to uh, like continuing education before, just like service service CEP stuff or, or IST stuff. And I remember having um, uh, OB GYN nurses and docs come in and talk about things like um, what is it? Um, gosh, it's not. Is it the help position? It's something, or maybe it was call for help. I can't remember. There was there was something, and it was it had to do with a helper mnemonic. Maybe that's what it was. It may, it may I think it had to do with shoulder dystocia, and, and yeah, uh, yeah, and and it, the way they presented it, I was like, man, that is that is really good to know. And then they get to the part where it's like, okay, listen, okay, put your surgical glove on, and you may need to sweep that kid's arm across his chest. Don't worry if you break the clavicle; it happens. Blah 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 blah. And it stuck with me, and and everyone in the room, like you know, you know, paramedics, you are one. You know the break, the you hear you hear it, you hear the wheels start turning. Like next pregnancy, yeah. I go on, I'm gonna be elbow deep, and I'm gonna break that kid's clavicle because I just learned in two minutes how to how to relieve shoulder dystocia. Uh, hey, I think right. there's probably a little more to that. We might want to do some simulation training. Uh, stop being creative. And uh, just listen. And then there's the other people like me who look on the protocol side of it and go, I'm pretty sure that's above our scope of practice. Um, so it's really great to have the knowledge. But at some point, it's like, hey, when are you going to let the paramedic kind of take over? I'm not going to be able to call Jessica Arno in the middle of the night while I'm in the middle of a call and say, hey, wish you were here. Um, how do I do that hand thing again with shoulder dystocia? Uh, yeah, so I agree with that. Um, however, just so you know, lots of people have called me in the middle of the night. I will answer. Uh, there have been some satellite phone calls from the sandbox a few times of, hey, can you please walk me through this? So I will answer. Uh, but, yes, it really does need – like. The, the education part of it, but the application and protocol has to change as well. Like, we have to allow the EMS professional to be able to actually apply the knowledge I'm giving them. That's the other part. Like, I am giving them a lot of real-life tips that – and I, I'm glad that you've mentioned that, you know, doctors and, and 
OB nurses and stuff are teaching the classes, but a lot of times, and I'm glad you had good experiences, but a lot of times I sit in on these classes and I'm like, they're just telling them to drive faster. That's not helpful. They're just, they're just reading the bullet points in the summary of the paramedic chapter. Again, I, I got that half hour in initial school. I don't need to hear it again. Right. That's not applicable. And that doesn't help a medic who has a 35-minute transfer or that is snowed in somewhere or is in a very rural environment or is that five o'clock traffic in a metropolitan area and there's no way I can get her somewhere. Like that's not helpful. So talking about shoulder dystocia and talking about breach delivery, I mean, vaginal breach deliveries isn't really even covered in medical school anymore. That's a, that's a dying art. And I've delivered breach babies. So like, let me teach you how to do that because you're right. Like I can't, I can't just, unfortunately, you know, it's almost 2020. I thought we could teleport by now, but apparently the, you know, back to the future lied to us. So I can't be everywhere and I would love to, but what I can do is you can come hang out with me for a couple of hours and I can totally teach whoever you are out there listening, I can totally teach you how to do these things and they're very applicable and they're super user friendly. And I told people this a, a, a zillion times, like you don't actually need a lot of spiffy stuff to deliver a baby. Um, you, you would be surprised the amount of equipment I don't actually take with me to a delivery. I mean, I got a couple medic bags, but I mean, there's just not a lot. There's, a lot of what I do is is the two hands that are on my on my arms. Really great basic knowledge and the fundamentals of understanding the anatomy and how that works. Um, however, the skills of like being able to interpret a fetal heart tone that's invaluable. Like if you don't, and that's easy. It's so easy, and a lot of people are so scared by that and really just don't know how to understand that and. I mean, I can teach you to do that with a stethoscope in 30 minutes. I think I think we rationalize a lot going, well, I don't have the equipment to do that, so I don't. It, it's not important. Or, you know, when will I really find what, – what's the real percentage and likelihood I'll find myself in a situation where I need to do that? Like you just try and you rationalize. You're like, oh, I bet I can be to the uh, hospital faster than I would have to find the – you know, uh, the Doppler or whatever you're using. I mean, I remember we used to have this on our ambulances up north. So, right. I get it. So I've had, I've had so many combat medics and flight medics say that exact same thing when I come in, you know, cause I'm with them for their whole program. And then they watch me walk in and it's, you know, it's, it's spec pop month, right? We're going to do all the spec pop stuff. And, it's so funny because they're like, ugh, like, we love you, Jessica, but I just don't want to do this baby crap. And I'm like, okay, fine, don't do it. But you should probably listen. Like, you'd be surprised. And it, it is time after time after time again that I get an email or a message on Instagram or a tweet on Twitter or someone calls me and says, uh, do you got a minute? Yeah, what's up? I just delivered a baby, and your voice is the only voice I heard. And I remember following your specific recipe on how to do these steps. Like, I remember you telling me how to do these things, and I, I, 
don't know that I would have been able to do it if I didn't hear your still small voice. And that is super cool. Absolutely. It's very, it's very validating, right? It's super validating. validating. Absolutely. Yeah. But it's also such an honor. To me, it's just an honor to be able to, like, I'm never going to be in some of the places that, like, that you'll be in, Chris, or that that combat medic will be in, or the medic that, you know, took was part of my program, you know, eight years ago or whatever. I, I, I won't be a part of that person's life probably in an intimate way in the future, but I am with them whenever they need to call upon those skills and that doesn't die, which means they're going to pass it on to someone else. And it's like a domino effect. And to me, I just like, that really gets me. That's awesome. And I, 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 again, like I said, I, I appreciate what you do out there. I love that you have the ability from the education side, the EMS side and the midwifery side. So, you know, outstanding. Good job. Um, Thank you. I've, uh, I've been writing notes trying to figure out uh, how I'm going to get you to stream into my classroom in somewhere around November to talk about OBGYN Pete's. We can figure it out. So what else? You got anything you want to promote? I mean, uh, besides Instagram and I mean, do you, you just, you know, you could, you've been saying you don't have like, you don't have like, you're not the combat midwife educate traveling education company quite yet. Right. Oh no, I'm definitely, Oh no, I'm definitely all over the place. I'm definitely traveling around. Um, I get called often and I just, I go where it's needed. So that's what I'm really focused on right now, and I'm really enjoying it. It's really, it's really such a rewarding business to have, where people are going, "Hey, this is our problem. Do you know what the solution is?" And I'll say, "Yeah, I'll pop right over." Well, absolutely. Well, then tell you what, throw out, throw out any contact information you want to do. Plug, plug yourself, plug the business, plug, plug anything right now, and you know, all twelve, <laughs> all twelve listeners will be able to contact you for their EMS service to come out and uh, help help them out with some uh, baby birthing in the uh, pre-hospital environment. Perfect. So you can email me directly at um, ask at combatmidwife.com, or you can send me a message on Instagram, which is my handle is at combatmidwife, and I'm. I'm pretty good at getting back to people pretty fast. And so usually I just ask people to send me, you know, a question regarding what my services are, or they can even just say, hey, this is our issue. Do you know what the solution to this is? Um, And sometimes we can fix things with a phone call consultation, and other times it it just, like, you want to do an overhaul of education, and then I'll, I'll just come out, and whether it's something as simple as a weekend event or, you know, more detailed we can we can make that happen outstanding um i'll put all links to everything i can find about you your email your uh the website or um your instagram and uh everything else facebook and i'll throw that in the show notes and uh i don't know i'll probably steal some pictures from your instagram without your permission because that's what everyone does on the interwebs and uh I'll, I'll, i'll put it all in there and uh people can get a hold of you and talk about babies and combat medicine and TCCC and everything else that, uh, and just re- good old regular EMS and, and whatever. Absolutely. Else. And, and it'll be awesome. You'll be out there. You'll be helping them and passing on the knowledge. I, for one, absolutely appreciate that. That's my goal. 
as as an educator and uh you know like like i said it's very validating to me uh that's how that's kind of how i know i that's how i know i made it like uh, when people say hey man I, was, I totally i totally heard you in the back of my head when i was doing this innovation it was all those stupid things you used to say in class i'm like so you were listening that's awesome i do appreciate that that one time doesn't it just like make you like glow for the rest of the day it does it makes me come back the next day i go and i'll be like oh, you know yeah. what? i'm just gonna go back to the ambulance it's a lot easier i'll be like no let's go back to the classroom shake it shape young minds and uh get them out there saving the world it's awesome it absolutely that's is. really cool all right well jessica arno combat midwife problem solver traveling midwife and everything else in between i really appreciate you coming in and sitting down and talking to me for about the last hour or so. Probably make this two episodes so everybody can enjoy it twice as much. And uh, I absolutely will have you on again. I have way more questions, and I think we could talk more. We could talk TCCC stuff for, for hours, I bet. And uh, Oh, yeah. <laughs> and tra- we'll hit the trauma medicine the next time. And uh, That sounds fine. We can totally do that. Awesome. Awesome. Well, again, thank you very much, and I'll throw everything in the show notes. And uh, – Keep doing what you do out there. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. This was an absolute blessing. I really, I really feel honored that you asked me. So thank you. Absolutely.